I'm just grateful that my kids want to honor God with every decision and it's on their hearts and our minds. We love our kids, don't we? And, and we spend so much time and so much energy watching after them, caring for them. And, 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 and so whenever they get lost at the store, mama flips out a little bit. Claudia and I, we have a, a different, kind of a different parenting style whenever it comes to shopping. She's what you might consider a, a serious shopper, while I'm the kind of guy that says, I love you, and that's why I'm here, and the car is too hot for me to sit in. So that's why I'm in there. But, but whenever, whenever we got all the four kids, and, and we're shopping, she has to be able to see all four kids all at the same time. Okay, not good enough just to kind of know where they are. You know, okay, we've got one over here, we got one over there, one's behind me, I think. You know, but she's got to have them all right there in front. They got, she's got to see. Matter of fact, the other day we were walking through a store, and as my family kind of follows us around like little ducks. You know what I mean? Well, we we turned the corner and we went down another aisle. She looked back, she saw three, and she didn't see one of them. Our two-year-old little baby. And she said, where's Gru? And then he just walked around the aisle like, I, I've got shorter legs, mom, I'm sorry. <laughs> Took me a little while longer. And that's her, uh, not me, man. I walk through a store and I just expect that they ought to stay up with us if they want to eat dinner. <laughs> if your dad in the house, you know what I'm talking about, right? But you know, back in the day, if you're 35 years or older, you used to grow up in a generation where, where if you got lost in a store, your mama walked up to the front desk and said, I want you to page my son, he's lost. Anybody got paged at the store? Woo! Anybody got spanked on the way out the store? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. And if you've ever experienced that as a parent or a kid, that moment, those few moments that you were lost, it was scary. You were frantically searching, calling out for your child. And you just wanted your child to be there with you. How much more do you think that it would be not just a few moments, but a few days missing your child, looking for your child, wondering and worrying that your child is safe and okay. That's actually the story that we're going to be talking about today out of Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. If you would, read along with me this passage of Scripture as we discuss Mary and Joseph losing Jesus. Wow. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed that he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days. Somebody say three days. Three days later, they finally discovered him at the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at, the, at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to, to think. Son! Anybody ever heard a mom say, son? <laughs> his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? He asked. 
Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he'd meant. Then they returned, then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Somebody say Jesus was obedient to his parents. My kids say Jesus was no, I'm just sure. <laughs> then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient with, uh, to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew up in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all the other people. You see, as a Jew living during Jesus' time, they were required to travel to Jerusalem three times a year for the celebrations. They would celebrate things uh, like a Passover feast, a Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. So no matter where you were living, if you were a Jew, all over the country, they would travel up to Jerusalem to celebrate these times. And this was the time of the Passover. So the entire family gathered together in a caravan. Whenever I say family, I mean family. It wasn't just, uh, you know, uh, uh, four people in a car. This was, this was hundreds of people traveling together in your family, your whole family line. Uh, and, and in total, it was millions of people traveling up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. The whole nation was buzzing. And they lived 90 miles to the north of Jerusalem in a little town called Nazareth. So it was a thing. It wasn't just a pop down over to the temple and then go have lunch on the way home. This was a week or more of travel. This was when they got there, they stayed for eight days observing the festival, observing the Passover. And then on the eighth day, they, they packed everybody up and everybody started to go home. But Jesus stayed back in Jerusalem. You know, I, I kind of have some experience getting left by my mom and dad. <laughs> you see, I, uh, one day uh, uh, we were all going to, uh, on a family vacation. We were in a couple different cars. We had our, our, my grandparents, my uncles, and, and, and then my parents and the kids. I mean, it was just one of those fun little family vacations. And we stopped at a little roadside um, gas station to get some gas. And my dad handed me a couple dollars to go get him a drink back whenever it only cost a couple dollars to get a drink. I went, went in and I, I was going to get him a bottle of water. I came back out with the water in my hand and it's changed, just like I was told to. Fast enough for me to see my, the whole little caravan pull out, leave me behind. This was before cell phones were popular, right? Back whenever cell phones were actually bag phones, brick phones, you know, you had to walk like this carrying your cell phone. And I didn't have one. I looked around. I, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what town I was in. I didn't even know how to tell people where my family was going. All I had was that bottle of water, so I went, back, I went and sat on that, that bench right next to that storefront, and I just held that bottle of water. I said, well, at least I'm not going to thirst to death. Hmm. I sat there for about 10 minutes feeling sorry for myself, saying, well, this is it. This is how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. This is how somebody gets homeless. I was only 11, 12 years old. Ten minutes later, my dad drives up, speeding around the corner, pulls up straight to me, rolls down the window, says, give me my water and get in. 
How was that my fault, Dad? How was that my fault? Later on, I found out that my, my dad got thirsty and was irritated that he didn't have my water. He thought I got into another car with somebody else and, and didn't give him his water. And he got to searching for his water. That's how he knew he left me. You see where, where I rank on the priorities, right? I mean, it's, it hurt. But that's Mary and Joseph in this moment. They traveled for an entire day. They got to the first night's stay on this trip back to Nazareth. They, they realized they got to calling around. They couldn't find their, their son, Jesus. I, if you would allow me to use my imagination, I, I kind of think about this. The, the first initial realization that they couldn't find Jesus, going back to... 12 years ago when an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the angel of the Lord said, Mary, you're pregnant with the Son of God. Joseph, your bride-to-be is going to have the Son of God. God, is, God the Father is charging you, this little couple, to watch over and protect and care for and raise, take to church the Son of God. This is the most important assignment of your life is to care for this young man. And in that moment, they must have been so frantic. They must have felt so much fear, so much frustration, so much panic. They began to search everywhere. As I was writing this week, wrestling with this passage of Scripture, what the Lord would have said, I... I spoke to Pastor Martin Perryman. He was um, uh, just a phenomenal theological mind. And I, I asked him what his take on the passage of Scripture was. And, and he got excited because he said, I just wrote a devotional that's going to be in my devotional book that's going to be released in a few months over this passage of Scripture. And he shared it with me, and it was so good that I wanted to share it with you today, but don't tell him I said so. Because the title is The Day They Lost God. Think about that for a moment. And you can pick up your copies on Amazon. No, I'm just joking. You can later on. The Day They Lost God. They were entrusted with the relationship to watch over and care for the most important relationship of their entire life, but they lost God. And so the first place they went back and they looked in the crowd that they were traveling with. They looked in the crowd. They called the parents and the friends and the relatives and all the family around and they couldn't find him. I think sometimes you and I, we lose God ourselves. You see, the most important relationship we could ever have the most important thing in our lives. But it doesn't happen right away. It doesn't happen just like that. It happens slowly. See, Brother Jim, he was right. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But, but that doesn't mean that we can't turn around and leave him. It happens subtly when we turn our back and we begin to take a few steps this way, walking in a direction where that captures our attention, our, our, our eyes, our careers, our goals, entertainment, 
All these things that have the power to draw us and woo us away, we begin to take step after step, and we just kind of have this sense that Jesus is probably somewhere around us until we stop and something hits our life, and we look around and we realize that we are not traveling in relationship with Jesus any longer. Uh, that, that, that there's no blessing or there, there's no peace in that relationship with Christ any longer. And we begin to call out to the people that we're traveling with. I, I want to tell you this morning that no matter how much they love you, no matter how much your, the people, your crowd loves you, they can't fill the gap that Jesus has in your life, in your heart. They can't give you that same kind of peace and that, that same kind of security as Christ can in your life. Matter of fact, there's an old saying, the old phrase, show me your crowd and I'll what? That's right. And the crowd that you're traveling with may not even know Jesus. Yet when we walk away, the first people we often turn to is the crowd. And we depend upon the crowd in order to provide that peace and comfort back into our lives. But Mary and Joseph couldn't find that peace and comfort. Mary and Joseph couldn't find that relationship within that crowd. And so they made a decision. We're going to turn back and we're going to go to the last place that we saw Jesus at. That was back in Jerusalem. That was back in Jerusalem. And so I just want to mention to you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 reminds us about that crowd that we're traveling with. Do not be deceived, young people. Do not be deceived. Don't be lied to. Kids, don't be lied to. Bad company ruins good morals. If you're a child in the room, would you just raise your hand and wave at me? <laughs> Some of y'all are a child of God in here waving at me. <laughs> I want to tell you something. Students, children... Your mom and dad are working so hard to tell you every good little thing, to raise you, to take you to church, to train you in the way to go. They're doing everything that they can in their life to try to make sure that your life is even better than their, theirs was. But you can undo it all with the people that you hang out with. You can ruin it all by choosing to follow a crowd instead of what they're teaching and training you. Young person, never turn your back on Christ. Never turn your back on the church. Never turn your back on what your mom and dad are putting into you right now. And so they decided to look back in Jerusalem. For us, we look back into the past. I, I remember... Um, places in my life that were very significant to me spiritually. I remember the time that I was uh, saved. Anybody remember when they were saved, when they were first saved? Yeah, yeah. Anybody remember whenever they were baptized in the Holy Spirit with that first initial evidence of speaking in tongues and the Spirit gave utterance? Wow. Anybody ever remember what it was like feeling called in a significant moment that happened? Wow. For me, that's all in one place. A lot of that stuff happened at Children's camp and youth camp back at Turner Falls in Davis, Oklahoma. Anybody ever been to Turner Falls in Davis, Oklahoma? The place where God shows up and messes your life up? Wow. 
That's a real place out there. I remember there was a, there was a, a place in the dirt that my face hit and made a mud puddle because the Holy Spirit was calling me into ministry. And just a, a year ago, I had the opportunity to go out to a prayer retreat. Never thought I'd be out there again. I went out there for a prayer retreat. I visited the same places, prayed some of those same prayers I used to pray. And I want to tell you something, that, that even though it's a significant place to me, it it didn't have the same feeling as it once did. I'm still attached to it, but it didn't have the same feeling or the impact in my life that it, it once had. I want you to know that whenever we find ourselves walking away from Christ, we can look around and we can feel drawn and try to recreate the situation and circumstances to which we found Christ at first. But I, I want you to know that there, you're not able to. You're not able to manufacture that moment back again. Traveling to those same places can't, can't make it right. Going to that same church, going to that same, uh, same place can't, can't produce the presence of God in your life that can change you. You see, we find out that that connecting and finding our way back to God is more about the position of the heart than the position of yourself. See, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says, you will look for me and find me when you look for me with all your what? Heart. It's about positioning your heart in the right place. Although God worked in me in the past, in the places and those spaces, it's not about going back to the same places or spaces or the, back to the uh, relationships or back to all those other things. It was, it's about positioning our heart in the right place. And so finally, they must have been searching through Jerusalem for, well, the Bible tells us for days, frantically looking. But they didn't find him. I don't know if they were just retracing their steps or if finally the temple was the last place that was left unchecked. But they found themselves in the temple. And can you imagine what must have happened to that mother's heart whenever they, when she heard Jesus' voice talking to the religious teachers and leaders? They looked for him in the place of worship. After three days searching in Jerusalem, they found him. Jesus asked his parents why they were searching. Well, that seems like a question that Jesus could have answered. <laughs> what do you mean, son? Why were we searching? We were searching because we, we, we didn't know where you, you, you left. We didn't know where you went to. And I can imagine Jesus turned back and said, you didn't have to search. I didn't leave. You left. You could have found me easily by going to the place of worship. The place of worship. I wonder how many of us, how many of us in our lives, we, we realize that we've stepped away from God. We, we've fallen short of his glory. We've got sin in our life. We've messed something up. We no longer feel his presence in our life. 
And the last place you look is the first place you should have tried. In worship to him. The Bible helps us to remember this. How to come back to the Lord. How to find him when we have left him. The first thing that we must do is come back with the right kind of attitude. We are called to look for him with our whole heart, wholeheartedly. But our hearts have to be in the right position to do that. Many times it's pride and arrogance that keeps us from being able to find him. But Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, remind us, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Remembering that Jesus is the most important relationship. Remembering that we pledged ourselves to Jesus. Remembering that Jesus has to be everything to us. Positions us with the right attitude to come back to him. If something is in your life and it's taking priority over him, you won't find him until you deal with that. You have pledged allegiance to him. Here in America, when we pledge allegiance, it means something, or at least it used to. You remember whenever you stood every day in class and you placed your hand over your heart and you said, the Pledge of Allegiance, causing you to be reminded of the great nation and the freedoms that we enjoy and the de dedication that each one of us would take in order to preserve those freedoms. But friends, I wanna remind you that we enjoy far more freedom in Christ than the Bill of Rights guarantees us. We, we enjoy far more blessing and privilege living in the kingdom of God. And so you and I must remind ourselves daily that our allegiance is to Christ and Christ alone. Secondly, we must put our hearts in a position of repentance. Repentance. See, Jesus promised that he would never leave us or forsake us, but it doesn't mean that we can't leave him and forsake him. And in the moments where we've left him and forsaken him, we have to come to the conclusion that it wasn't his fault, but it was ours. And so it's time to repent. And repenting simply means you are going one way and you stop and you turn around and you say, Lord, forgive me. I want to go your way. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I love you and I'm sorry for my sin. I'm going to come your way again. And you begin to come back. That's repentance. It's a, it's a $5 word, but it's a simple definition. Even a child could understand it. Praise God, because... I'm not smarter than a fifth grader. I need that in my life. Acts chapter three, verse 19 says, now repent of your sin and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Forgotten about, thrown out under the blood that you could have a heart that is messed up, 
stained with with drugs and alcohol and pornography, stained with ambition of careers and relationship, stained with, with, with demonic possession, stained with anything and everything that would get in your way of having a relationship with Christ Jesus. And then in one moment, with one decision, Lord, I need you. I can't live without you. Please forgive me. Forgive my sins. Put them under the blood so that I can be your child. When you pray that prayer, when you meet it with your heart, those sins are gone. You're clean. And you're with him as his child. But then we all know what it means to live in his grace. But do we know what it means to lean on his grace? When in those moments in our lives where we've prayed that prayer, we really did mean it, but, but we were enticed, we were pulled, we were drawn away by our own lustful passions and, and find ourselves in the mess and we look around and we can't find Jesus any longer. In those moments, we are called to lean on his grace. John chapter 15, verse five. Yes, I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Jesus points out our spiritual truth in life. That when we remain in him, we lean on his grace and mercy that our lives would be filled with every good thing that he wants to give us. But as we separate from him, our lives will shrivel up on the vine. We'll shrivel up, we'll be separated off. Young person, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, my challenge for you this morning is very simple. You've been charged to have a relationship with Christ Jesus, but in some way we've walked away. We can't find him in the relationships. We can't, we can't rediscover our past, but come back to him in worship. Position our attitude and remind ourselves that he is the most important thing in our lives. Let's repent together as a congregation and let's lean on his grace and mercy. If you love him, would you stand up with me all over this place? Heavenly Father, I love you and I praise you and I thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity, Lord, to talk about you, to be reminded, Lord, that in the moments that we feel like we've walked away, we've gotten far away from you, Lord, that all we have to do is go back to a place of worship, to remember that you've called us, that your word says that you'd never leave us or forsake us, and Lord, that the moments and the times where we walked away from you, Lord, are moments that we have the opportunity to repent and come back to you and find you again. Lord, I pray, God, for those people that have walked away from you this week or this month or this year, Lord, that they would have this opportunity today to find you once again. 
With every head still bowed and every eye still closed, I want to give you this opportunity as a private time between you and the Lord. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor John, I've fallen away. I've lost the most important relationship of my life and I, I don't know how to find him, but I want to. I want to. If that's you, I just simply want you to slip up your hand right now so that I can pray with you. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, yes, I see you. I'm looking all over this place. Wow, all over this place. Thank you. Looking all over this place. If you want to come back to the Lord and find him with your life again, thank you. I see you, yes. Would you just slip up your hand? Father, you see all these hands that were raised, Lord. Signifying, Lord, hearts and lives that have walked away from your presence, walked away from your blessing, walked away from your peace. And in this moment, this holy moment, your Holy Spirit has gone out and drawn them back. Father, I pray, God, that as they search for you, Lord, that they would find you because they've searched for you with their whole heart. Lord, I pray, God, that they would reposition themselves and their attitude, making you their priority. Lord, allowing themselves to turn away from the sin, turn away from the things that have drawn them away and follow after you. And Lord, I pray, God, that they would lean on your grace and your mercy for the rest of their lives. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that we would be a church where people can find you. Lord, where people can give hope and people can do life together. Now, Lord, as we prepare ourselves to walk back out into our lives and to our community, Lord, I pray, God, that you would stay close to us as we stay close to you. Lord, that we'd walk hand in hand and that everywhere we go, Lord, we take you with us, sharing you with the least, the last, and the lost. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's go with Jesus this morning. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.